the UAE Minister of Foreign Affairs slams Hamas and the double talk of their Western supporters. It just made my day. And North Korean defector exposes the radicalization of the West. Hey, it's Lucas Grobot, and you're listening to the Lucas Grobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Thank you for being with me on the show today. I'm excited to be with you on the show today, episode 232, June 16th, 2021. We'll be getting into your ears on the 17th. Well, this past week, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, His Highness Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed Al Nahya, sat down with the American Jewish Committee and he slammed Hamas and he slammed the West for their complicitness and for their backing and their double talk of Hamas. And honestly, I can't even explain to you how good, how good it all felt because I've taken, I've taken this nearly exact stance of his highness. And uh, wow, I was just shocked because you've probably seen, I took the stance of, hey, Hamas, it's a terrorist organization. I'm against Hamas, but I'm pro-Palestine and pro some sort of reconciliation between Palestine and Israel. I'm not really for the complete annexing of the West Bank, similar to His Highness, uh, the F Minister of Foreign Affairs, Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed Al Nahya. Him and I agree on a lot, and, and man, I like this guy more and more. I like this guy. Well, here's here's a clip from his interview with the American Jewish Committee. When you look at groups like uh, Al-Qaeda or uh, ISIS, um, it's, it's easy for most of the international community to talk about. Uh, and it's very unfortunate that uh, countries are more reluctant to talk about groups like Hezbollah or Hamas uh, or the Muslim Brotherhood uh, in a clearer manner. But uh, you can tell he's being very diplomatic here, uh, choosing his words wisely. It's been it's been funny when. Uh, countries designate uh, <laughs> and the same entity, uh, its military wing as a terrorist group and its political wing as a non-terrorist uh, group. And then it, that same entity says there is no difference between our military and, uh, and political uh, wings. He's right here. He's talking about Hamas because the West, they tried to separate the two. They're like, well, there's there's the political organization of Hamas, and then there's military terrorists, and they're not the same. But Hamas says, no, we're one and the same. That is us. We are one organization, not two. He continues. So uh, if they are by themselves not accepting that distinction, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's just... Uh, I'm... I, I'm I'm trying to be a diplomat and not use a word. Wow, wow! This clip right here, it is, man. This I I can't even tell you. I heard this clip and I was like, "Thank you." I I lived in the UAE for almost three years, and an incredible nation, incredible leaders, and 
I am so grateful for His Highness Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed Al Nahia. Uh, I've actually had dreams about him. So <laughs> if you are listening, give me a phone call. I'd love to meet. I'd love to talk. I am am excited for leaders like this in the region, leaders who are willing to speak and say what is rational and makes sense. And the word that he's looking for, I, I'm not a diplomat. I try to be statesmanlike, but as, as we all know, um, I'm not. So I can say it. It's double talk. It's the double talk of the West where they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're saying, well, these are two different organizations. And they're saying, no. We're one organization. Hamas is saying, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. We're going to wipe off the, the Jews, the Jewish state, the Jewish religion. We want to do away with them all. It's in our founding documents. This is who we are. And then the Western media comes along as like, what they're meaning to say, what they're actually saying is, they're like, no, that's not what we're actually, we're, I'm actually saying what I'm actually saying. I'm saying what I mean. Uh, the man, the media in the West. And here's here's a clip. Sky News did an interview with uh, Mahmoud Zahar, who was one of the co-founders of Hamas and is now one of the senior political leaders. A great little interview. Uh, he has a lot of bold questions. I actually enjoyed this interview from Sky News. But I have one clip, one clip where oh, I'll just play the clip and you can listen to it. Are you not at least in part responsible for the conditions here? Because you, Hamas, spend your money on weapons, you spend your money on tunnels, you spend your money on fighters. You are not spending your money on the civilian population here. Give me one example in the world that they have no military uh, ministry. There it is. That, that, that is it. Give me one example where they don't have a military apparatus. They're saying, no, we are not two separate organizations. We are one organization. We're one. That's what Hamas says. And it's true. So, man, big ups to his highness for, one, for using his words wisely and for also being so sharp with him and calling out the double talk of the Western progressive media of just embracing and accepting these calls to violence that Hamas has been pushing for so long. So I, I am I'm greatly encouraged. Uh, not everyone was. And even though he was, His Highness was being very diplomatic in his words, uh, there's a lot of pushback. Uh, some of the Hamas spokespeople, persons, said Bin Zayed's, Bin Zayed's call for the Western countries to designate Hamas as a terrorist organization runs counter to Arab values. They're trying to conflate political alliance with Hamas and what Hamas believes about the destruction of the Israeli state with Arab values. They're, they're conflating both of those in. This was spokesman Hamza Qasmi said on Twitter. The article goes on from the Middle East Monitor the article goes on and says, these statements, the spokesman said, fall in line with the quote-unquote, the failed Zionist propaganda in contradiction and contradicts the Arab support to the resistance in Palestine. Essentially, they're now equating the UAE 
to following the failed, failed Zionist propaganda. This is, this is what it is. The rational words of his highness are now, now Zionist propaganda because a nation sees that it would be better if we made for peace with Israel, if, if we blessed them, if we had trade with them, and we worked out how to solve this long-lasting conflict. And his highness, uh, Abdullah bin Zayed al-Nahya, he, he doesn't believe in the annexing of the West Bank. He doesn't believe in the continuing of building out settlements. Now, it would be amiss to not say in this episode, I don't have notes or articles about it right here in front of me, but Israel has a new prime minister, uh, Bennett El, uh, man, El Neftali, and he is a right, hard right wing. He is pro the expansions of settlements. He is pro orthodoxy, and yet he was able to pull together a a parliament and ministry that is comprised of a lot of centrists and leftists within his government. And I think that's, in, in part, I think that's great that he was able to pull and unify that together. The, the question is that I've been seeing is how much will he be able to get, get done? How much will will the government be able to stand because it's such a a divided party and what sort of resistance will he have in pushing his agenda and what will his agenda be? How much will the, the, the makeup of his government shape and change? So there's a lot to be seen and we'll, we'll see what happens over the coming months and years with this shift in government, what it will mean for shift in policy. They did say that they're going to work to repair their ties with the Democratic Party. So I'm all for repairing ties. I'm all for finding a new way forward. I do wonder, however, what the result of it will be. And I do think on, on the big scale, on the big scale, I do think over the coming years, we are going to be shocked to find that we are going to step into a season where Israel is at peace, where all the nations surrounding Israel will be at peace, where the walls and the borders will be coming down, the disarmament will be happening. I believe that we're going to actually be seeing that much sooner than we think. So I have, an, I have another clip, though. I have another clip from His Majesty, because not—and as I said, he got slammed so many people— on Twitter, slammed him. So many people, even in the UAE, in the government, slammed him. But I'm so encouraged to hear a voice so concise, so clear in standing for things that are just logical. And I love that he's calling out the West. Well, here is another clip, another clip of, of him talking about the the radicalism and where radicalism is actually coming from these days. I I think the question uh, that we don't ask ourselves enough uh, is how much are we doing in terms of addressing extremism throughout the world? Throughout the world. Uh, And that's been a huge challenge. I mean, uh, I know you and I and uh, and you uh, and your partners uh, have 
talked about this uh, several times previously. Uh, and that's not been a very effective uh, effort uh, by the international community. We are, um, our threshold in, in challenging extremism and radical ideas has not been um, appropriate. Uh, and uh, Jumping in, one reason that it's very hard to combat radicalism and extremist ideas is because if you try to smother them, if you try to shut them down, it is going to come back stronger if you just try to silence those voices. So in order for us to fight with radical ideas, we actually need to bring those ideas out into the open and we need to in engage in dialogue and begin with hopefully emotional and rational arguments, begin to break those down line by line. And I, what I like about what he's saying here, it's across the world. We're not seeing radicalism in just one area, especially because of the internet and how connected we are. Right now, we are seeing radicalism and extreme ideas coming forth on all sides of the political spectrum, all sides of the political spectrum, not just out of certain countries or certain sides, but clearly, and I think it's clear, the progressive left, the progressive left, the Marxist postmodern ideology is surging, right? It is, it is the movement right now on the earth, the, the ideas that are getting into people's heads and radicalizing them are those progressive leftist ideas of trying to shape this new socialistic utopia across the earth. Well, he continues. It, it, it's, it's not about uh, having different views on different matters, but... This is great. It's not have, about having different views on different matters. And my wife and I, we talked about this in cancel culture. It's not about having different... We can have different views. We can have different views on morality. We can have different views on, on, on religion. And we can disagree about those views. We can disagree about the definition of racism. Because racism has been redefined. So how do I know what you actually think of me? Because according to the new definition of racism, everyone's racist. You have to be anti-racist. Anti-racism is we're all racist. In every instance, we have racism. So we have to combat that racism by figuring out how to measure the whiteness of people's skins and their heritage and docking them and doing reverse racism to essentially equality of outcome. We're trying to make this equitable world rather than a world of equality where I look at you and I judge you based on your character, based on what's inside, rather than looking at the color of your skin. And what has been reframed today is saying, well, no, 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 no. We are going to look at you based on the color of your skin and we're going to try to make the world a better and more equal place based on where you fall on the critical race theory. So, but what he's getting to right here, so it's not based on having different ideas. That's not what I'm talking about. It's talking about calls to violence, calls to violence, calls of silencing and censoring people, calls of inciting violence and radicalism. There's a big difference between someone who is 
adamantly calling for the destruction of a person or a people group, there's a difference between that and passionately disagreeing about ideas. I think we should passionately disagree about ideas, but absolutely. Should we, should we be having calls for violence? No, absolutely not. This clip just gets, gets better. It's, it's not about uh, having different views on different matters, but incitement cannot be accepted. Hate cannot be accepted. Um, Hate cannot be accepted. So we can disagree on morality. We can disagree on what should be morally accepted or not. But having overt calls to violence against people who disagree with you, yeah, that shouldn't be accepted. Making excuses for violence cannot be accepted. Excusing violence, saying, well, you know, you kind of have to resort to this. You have to resort to wanting to take out an entire ethnic group or entire religious group. You have to. Uh, and for a very long time, uh, we have been reluctant in addressing these matters. Not only on, on other countries, but even in our own communities. Uh, we see that uh, even in places like, like Europe and the United States. Here it comes, here it comes. And it's worrying. Uh, it concerns me when uh, we see our kids radicalized in, in European capitals. It concerns me when we see our kids radicalized in European capitals. Oh. Um, and that's not a discussion we are having enough of. This is this, my goodness, His Highness is spot on. We are seeing people radicalized, the youth radicalized in European capitals. In America, we're seeing people radicalized in universities. Many people here in the Middle East move and go to university in the middle in, in Europe. And they're coming back with these radical ideas. They're coming back with activism planted in there. And it's happening in the universities. And we're, I just love that he's calling out this radicalization of, of that's happening in the West. And again, it is a postmodern neo-Marxism, whatever fancy words. Essentially, it is there is no truth. There is no objective reality. It is all whatever I perceive it to be. We just embrace our feelings and we push this progressive agenda of trying to get equality of outcome. There's a difference between each person being born equal and equality of outcome where we're trying to make equal each person's lives. I mean, it's impossible. Women live longer than men. How do we make that equitable? Should we begin euthanizing women so that we both have a, a, the same average death age? No, people that live on the coast or near water live, I think, 10% longer than people who live in landlocked places. So how, how do we make that an equitable situation? There's, there's a clear difference between natural advantage, that is someone who's born tall or born stronger or born smarter, natural advantage, born near water, born a female, they live longer. 
There's a difference between natural advantage and privilege, where one group says, we are going to give you privileges because of fill in the blank. Most of what the, the radicalization is fighting against is natural advantage. And, and they're turning to these radical ideas, and rather than building for peace, they're building for conflict. They're pushing a, a Marxist, neo-Marxist, socialist narrative, and that, that is frightening. And that is the narrative that I see here. Often I'm asked, well, you know, why did you start, why did you start this podcast? What, the, what is this podcast about? Even I was in a conversation with a friend today. We were talking about, in this a little clip that will come up a little later, talking about how those who are so far into this, uh, a, it's not amoral, it's this a truth. It's this, this world where there is no objective reasoning or reality, this irrational movement, they're, they're taking their irrationality to its logical conclusions. And that's scary to me because I know where those logical conclusions lead. And my hope is, my, my hope is we might be able to, together, pull some people back from those precipices that lead to nihilistic, self-destructive, uh, depressive, antinatalism ideologies where people turn that hatred against themselves into this deep self-hatred, believing that it would be better off if they weren't alive. And we're seeing that, we're seeing that, and that is, it, it scares me. But this last clip from His Highness moves into this next clip of a North Korean defector, Yeonmi Park from Columbia University. She was recently on uh, Hannity on Fox, and she has this she has this great little interview with him. Here, here's here's the first clip. So when I was in North Korea, first thing that I learned was that Americans were bastards. It was actually the one word. At school, when I was attending, they told me, actually, there's just math problem saying that I follow American bastards. You killed two of them. And <laughs> how many American bastards left to kill? And as a child in North Korea, you have to say two American bastards. When I, when I went to North Korea in 2010, I was there for the, the, the 100-year anniversary, 10-10-10. Uh, and man, our tour guides were so funny. They were the, they were the best. Honestly, they were so kind. They laughing, cracking jokes. Uh, well, first they're very serious, but we loosened we loosened them up by the end of that trip. Uh, but <laughs> all the time, anytime they mentioned anything about the West, it was always those dirty Western, those dirty imperialist bastards, those dirty imperialist bastards, and everything that they showed us was all just some propaganda piece against the imperialist bastards. So. This is so true. That's exactly, exactly how they talk. I love that. And as a child in North Korea, you have to say two American bastards. And when I came to America, I, like, I fell in love with this country. This is such a wonderful country. I had never been accepted more than this country was. And as, at Columbia University, literally every professor was saying that, you know, the problems that we have on today's world is because of white men. How they colonize Africa, they how colonize, I mean, Asia, right? That's how they mess up everything. And they are the one who's, who needs to be blamed. 
and I couldn't believe that like, am I sitting in North Korea's classroom or in America actually I couldn't believe why people were hating their own people that much and she makes a brilliant point which is wait am I in a North Korean classroom right now or am I really in America like wh- where am I and the reason she's making that point and the reason that I think it is so clear is because this is exactly what they teach in communist countries. They teach this. They taught this. Uh, the, the education system, the progressives of the West have taken this narrative on, have fully embraced it, and are, are pushing it. And this is, what, this is what His Highness was talking about. His Highness Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed al-Nahya was talking about in the previous clip. The first clip about how the West has this double talk where they're trying to redefine a, a terrorist group as not being terrorist because it fits their narrative, it fits their agenda. It also ties into what he was saying about the radicalization of the West and how the Western cities are radicalizing people. And that is because they're embracing this Marxist communist narrative. And you might say, well, they they do have some points that with colonialism came a whole bunch of horrible, uh, horrific things. Horrific. Yeah, for sure. That happened. And if there's ways that, that nations can make amends for them, they should be. They should totally work to make amends. They should totally try to set things right. Now, at the same time, if we blame an entire skin color or race for all the world's problems, that seems to be a little short-sighted. It seems to be a little naive, if you ask me. But the reason that we're doing that is because Marxism Socialism and communism was reframed from the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie, which is the leaders versus the common people. We, they figured out this class war thing doesn't work. We have to reframe it away from class wars to identity politics, to identity wars, to critical race theory, to you're white, I'm a you know, LGBTQLMOP, whatever, you name it, and therefore— We are separated. Therefore, we are different. Therefore, we need to fight against each other. And it's the white, Christian, heterosexual, cisgendered male who sits at the top. And now, maybe you are not in America. Maybe you're in the Middle East listening to this, and you're thinking, well, what does this have to do with me? If if you're listening to this show, you probably are listening to the, the way that your friends are talking around you. You're probably listening to the things that are happening on social media, and that is the language that they're using. That is the source code underneath what's all the narrative that's going on top, and that is what's radicalizing people. You know me, Park goes on into this second clip right here. I I literally sold as a sexual slave, and I literally crossed the Gobi Desert to be... Wait, wait. She was literally sold into sex slavery, and she literally crossed the Gobi Desert in order to reach freedom. This is the the cost of real freedom, especially coming from a communist socialist country. I've been to North Korea. I can honestly say 
the darkest, heaviest place I have ever been. I came back from North Korea and I had insomnia for three or so months. I, I could not sleep because of the, the weight of that spiritual atmosphere that was there. It just incredibly dark. But we've forgotten, we've forgotten what it costs to be free, the price of freedom. Free. And now I thought I, I landed in a country where I can say what I believe and have my you know, freedom to think. However, now I end up in a country, I have to constantly censoring my speech because now in the name of a safe place, safe Colombia place. was told, I mean, told us what we cannot talk about. <laughs> yeah. And I am so concerned, like if America is not free, I think there's no place else is left that is free. And I think that's why it's really alarming to me. Safe places. Safe places are dangerous places. And we see that in the medical world, if, if you have kids and you're always sanitizing their hands and everything and they're not letting them play in the dirt, they're going to have bigger medical issues later on in life because their immune system was never built up. But what happens when we're doing that to our kids from ideas and conflict from a young age through the school system, through upper education, where everything comes with a trigger warning and we're creating all these ultra safe spaces, well, you can't go out into the world. These, these safe spaces, they are dangerous. We need to create dangerous spaces. We need to create not physically dangerous spaces, but we need to create spaces where people disagree with one another, where they're coming face to face with conflict of ideas so that, they be, so that we can become resilient human beings who realize that people think differently than us. And we can't think without offending someone. I can't think, I can't share without offending you possibly. So I don't know, maybe you really love Hamas. Maybe, maybe I've offended you. But this is a form of thinking and you can't think without possibly offending me or offending someone. This is the price of thinking and we have to be willing to offend someone, which this is what his Highness Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed said. He was saying, it's not about having a difference of ideas. We need to have different set of ideas. We need to be willing to offend the other people. But there's, there's a difference between that and crossing a line into calling for violence against people who might offend us. And this is the radicalization that we are seeing in the West. Calls for violence, canceling, silencing, getting people fired from their jobs. Canceling people on friends. I mean, even in the last month, I've had a few friends here in the Middle East cancel me after, after talking about cancel culture, literally hours of talking through cancel culture and then canceled by the same person. You know what? Okay, well, that's, I, I mean, I considered that person a friend. I still do. I hope that we can repair our relationship. But these, these sentiments, are moving across the world faster than ever before. Here is Park's closing warning about communism and Marxism. This is a war that against socialism and communism. The fact that I come from North Korea and saying, you know, North Korea started as a communist country. It began as, you know, let's make it the most equal society in the world. 
Now the regime made. North Korea started by saying, let's make it the most equal society in the world. I'm going to play that, play that beginning again. Socialism and communism, the fact that I come from North Korea and saying, you know, North Korea started as a communist country. It began as, you know, let's make it the most equal society in the world. Now the regime made 50 different classes 50. based on your status, based on what your great-great-grandfather did. And when I went to Colombia, that's when I shocked. They say, because your ancestors owned the slaves, that you must be guilty. You are privileged mm. because you're white. And this yeah. is injustice because you can never choose your ancestors. Mm. You don't mm. choose your, your race. And people in North Korea being punished for, you know, certain class. And in this America, the same thing happening right now. It's true. The, the West is becoming a more tiered place, not tiered by income, not tiered by, by money, but tiered by the color of their skin, tiered by your, your, your orientation. And that is coming here. And I know that it's coming here. I know that it's coming to the subcontinent in India. I know that it's coming to, to the Middle East because I, I, I lived here in the Middle East for eight years and I see the signs. I see the language moving there. I see people having those same conversations when America was having conversations about white privilege. The conversations that we're having here were about Arab privilege. Now, in some ways, it moved the conversation in, in a great direction. But at other times, it's scary because I know that embedded in that Trojan horse, and this is what we talk about, this is what we talk about on the show, about the, the Trojan horse, that ideas are like codes or like viruses that once if they get in, they can embed themselves into the operating system of our brain and take over. And they can, it starts as a small idea and it can lead to a horrible, horrible outcome. Speaking of the horrible outcome, <laughs> I mean, case in point, uh, my friend uh, Chirag, who's been on the show a number of times where we talk about what's happening with mostly about Twitter in India, uh, he, he, was, he just said this right before the show, and I thought it was so, so fitting. It is, he sent me an article from The Independent in UK, and it's just a screenshot from Twitter, and it says, Greta Thunberg's linked climate group disbands itself for being, quote-unquote, racist, white-dominated space. I mean, this, this, is, this is literally, and I hate to use the word, but this is exactly the outcome of this ideology. It's like playing itself out. And this is what I mean. When you accept these thoughts, they're like code that will run in our mind and they'll lead us to the logical conclusion, the logical conclusion that the, the progressive left is taking is I, because of my color of my skin, I am bad. Greta, this Greta Thunberg climate group, they believe that they're doing, I'm sure they believe this, great things for the environment. They're, they're standing up, trying to make a, a move in the environment, trying to change what's happening in climate. But because they've embedded this narrative, and the narrative says, because you're white, you are inherently bad and you're taking up too much space and you need to let other people take up space. Because you're white, you have this 
ancestry or this history uh, of, of racism. And therefore, you're racist. And so they disbanded their own group <laughs> because, because they felt like they were dominating the space. They were too successful as a white group. And so they disbanded. I mean, that is, that is the insanity. I can't think of another word of, of where this ideology leads. But what scares me is, what scares me is, it, it really frightens me. I hope, I hope that many will come back from the brink of this because these ideas are Malthusian, these ideas of climate change, these ideas of, of critical race theory and socialism. They, they're Malthusian, which means that they, they believe in, in population control or their antinatalism where they believe that it's better that they weren't alive. It's this immense self-hatred, immense hatred for the human race. It's embedded with these communism, uh, communistic, uh, Marxist ideas, postmodern, where there is no truth. And my fear is that it will lead people, just like it led this group to disband themselves, my fear is that it's going to lead people down to wanting to disband their lives. Because that's where the, the logical conclusion of this thought process leads. And I want to see people pulled back from that. And I believe you do too. I hope you do. Which brings us to uh, the final bit of our episode. If you got value out of the show, and by final bit, I mean the Weaver and Loom bit. But before we get to the Weaver and Loom bit, where we have a, a great great quote. I love, I love this quote that we're going we're gonna to hit today. If you got value out of the show, you can give value back to it. You can support the show. We're an independent show that's uh, supported by viewers like you. And you can visit our website, lucasrobot.com, skrobot.com, and you can give there in the value that you received because where your money is, your heart is also. Or you can give and support the show by listening on a value tag enabled app like breeze or pod friend and you can stream sats sats are like little pe pennies and cents of a bitcoin so you can stream a couple pennies every minute that you listen and you can find a value enabled app at newpodcastapps.com and you can find one with a value tag. You can find the show and you can listen and stream value as you get value from the show there. Another great way for you to get more value from this episode is by texting it to a friend and talking about these topics because you and I, we're building community and building community means bringing people into shared language, common language, common ideas, common knowledge, that is called culture. Culture. We are building a culture that is resilient against these destructive ideas. So if you're a leader in your community, which you are, because believe it or not, you are a leader, then it's your responsibility to help nurture and build a strong and healthy community, which brings us to our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome 
Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a part of the show where we take ancient wisdom, or sometimes not ancient wisdom, but we take ancient wisdom and weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can own our future and weave our destiny. I love this idea that we have a God-given purpose and destiny for each and every one of our lives. It's been written in the stars. It's been written before we were even born, but... But if we don't stand up and act, if we don't follow, if we don't do something about our purpose, well, it's just going to remain that. It's just going to remain unspent potential. And I don't think anyone wants that. Well, no, that's why you're listening to the show. Today's quote is going all the way back to the beginning of the episode by His Highness Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed al-Nahya. And here is the quote by him from that same interview. The uh, future of our kids is only going to be solved if we are more ambitious, we value science, and we va- value par- partnership. That's it. The future of our children's depend if we're going to be more ambitious, we value science, and we value partnership. I want to break those three things down. First, be more ambitious. We, we, should not be contracting into fear and contracting into self-preservation. We need to be expanding. Even when it comes to things like climate change, let's say you're someone who's passionate about climate change and you actually believe that the world's going to end in 12 years. The best thing that you can do is expand and try to make inventions and, and find new ways of doing things and build people better, to build better lives for other people. Because as we do that, as people move out of poverty, as people's lives get better, they naturally become more concerned about their natural habitat and their environment. So the the first one, being ambitious to expand, I, I love that. I want that for you and I want that for me. I want, I, I want to be ambitious in everything that I do, passionate about everything that I do, and, and dreaming big, dreaming bigger than I think that I should be able to dream. Because why not you? Why not you? The second one he said was science, which to me, that points to truth, empirical reason, rationality. It, it points to saying, okay, let's not just be swept up in these emotional arguments, but if we want to see our kids survive in the future, one, it's science. It's like, okay, let's actually invest in the sciences. But with that, there's an inherent theme, which is what we talk about here, is that there is truth. There is divine laws, eternal laws, there is divine moral morality. There is truth. And we need to press into that truth because that sets a firm foundation for the future generations. And the last one is collaboration, working together in partnership. And I love seeing the UAE being one of the, the first people to sign the Abraham Accords, which Trump put together, President Trump. And their belief in partnership, their, their belief in these things, in, in ambition, their belief in, in science and pushing the bounds of technology. And 
partnership, partnering with other people, working across the aisle. And that is something that we can do. We can partner with others around us to, to make our communities stronger and more resilient, more filled with love, and to see other people step into their purpose and their destiny. That's all for this episode, 232. That was fun. That was a fun episode. Thanks for being with me. I hope you go out this week and do just that, that you would be ambitious, that you would seek truth, and that you would collaborate with others to own your future.